0: You're listening to the podcast of Christ Walk Church in Fernandina Beach, Florida, where we exist to inspire people to follow Jesus every day. We hope that these messages encourage and challenge you to live for something more. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can find us online at Christwalk.com. Thanks again for listening. Now here's today's message. What's up, Christ Walk Church? How's everybody doing today? So glad that all of you are here this morning, everyone watching with us online. Thank you so much for being here on um, the the beginning of the week after the greatest week ever. It is all, this past week is my favorite week of every year. Um, March Madness kicks off. And so I'm riding high, um, all hopped up on basketball. And um, just something about getting to watch basketball from noon until midnight or after every single day. Um, it, it's, it's amazing. So, it, it, you know, that Christmas song, it's the most wonderful time of the year. They were talking about right now. Um, so I'm, I'm excited uh, about being here and just excited about everything that's going on um, in our church. I wanna start by just giving a couple shout outs. Um, thank you uh, to everyone for the gifts and the cards and the notes and all of the things um, that you gave me for pastor appreciation. Um, those of you that participated in that, I'm humbled um, I'm grateful for you. It is an honor uh, to be the pastor of a church, particularly one that models our core value of generosity is our identity so well. Um, that just uh, makes, makes my heart um, want to explode when I see the way uh, that our people get it. And um, so thank you so much for everyone Uh, who gave or who said something or sent an email, wrote a card, you know, all of those things. Um, We're five years down, 30 more to go. So, yeah, a couple people are excited about that. Some of you aren't too sure. They're like, 30 more? (laughs) also want to say thank you to um, the group of folks that came out this past week to help spruce up the church there was some uh, some weed killing and pulling um, trimming of shrubs and trees and um, uh, putting down pine straw and doing some other uh, odds and ends and, and things like that landscaping wise just to get the church ready for Easter it looks fantastic And so thank you for the way that you model um, our core values of servanthood as our posture and excellence as our pursuits. Loved hanging out with you guys and just getting to see the flurry of activity. Um, around the church as, as people were putting pride into the building that the Lord has blessed us with. And um, so just, I'm excited about this season that we're in and what God is doing. And um, as we, we look ahead to launching two services and believing God for great things this coming Easter, it is an awesome time to be a part of Christ Walk Church. And, and I'm honored um, to be the pastor, amen? Amen. If you've got your Bible, you got a smart device, why don't you turn with me or swipe with me uh, to the New Testament. We're gonna be in the third gospel, the third book in Matthew, Mark, Luke. Um, We're gonna land in Luke, those first four books of the New Testament, Uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we call the gospels because gospel means good news. And the reason that those four books in particular are such good news is because they tell us the story of the life and the teachings of Jesus. And so we're gonna take a look at one of those instances here in a minute uh, when we get into Luke chapter 18 and we'll land there momentarily. Um, Before we do, uh, Sarah and I, we are currently in the throes of that season of parenthood that involves teaching your children to drive a car. (laughs) And having driven for over 25 years myself, there are many things about operating a motor vehicle that have simply become muscle memory to me at this point. And I've realized that, that I take them for granted. I just get in the car, turn the key and go. It's stuff that, that I'm, I'm conscious of, but I just don't, it's not at the forefront uh, of, of you know, my thought process. I'm just used to it by now, right? Um, and, but one of the things that I've, I've discovered that I take for granted is the brake pedal. Because when you hand those keys to a teenager, all of a sudden the brake pedal becomes very important. And you realize how often you want to slam on it only to do that and realize that it is not there. And so I will will say this season has helped me grow closer to the Lord Jesus Christ (laughs) because I'm prepared to meet him at any moment. Those of you that have had teenagers, you, you know what it is. It's, it's an awesome time, it's an, an exciting time. But, but when, when, when you're in the car uh, with, you know, with your teenager, you're trying to teach them how to drive and everything, all of a sudden there's, there's all of these things that you're having to, to talk about and bring up that you've stopped thinking about a long time ago. One such aspect of, of, of that is, is you know, all of the, the traffic signs and the traffic lights that you don't even think about anymore. You know, they're just on your daily your your daily route or routine, and, and and so it's just it's just part of it. Or or other drivers and their vehicles. You know, you're constantly having to say like like you, yeah, you have to worry about you, but you also have to worry about that other person because they're crazy. And is that a Christ Walk sticker on the back of their car? They're definitely crazy. <laughs> You got to look out for pedestrians and bicyclists and, and speed limits and, and just all of these things that, that I, I'm, I'm not thinking about when I'm behind the wheel of a car, but when I'm putting my life on the line, all of a sudden the, whole, the, the world is, is open back up and you're thinking of all of these things, pay attention to this and watch out for this and look at this and, and don't forget this and all of these things come to the forefront. And perhaps one of the most difficult things to master when driving a car is in regard to paying attention to your blind spots, right? Your blind spots are are the areas of limitation due to both the design of the car combined with the physical attributes of the driver, And and despite being equipped with mirrors and, and other technologies like parking assistance and lane change sensors and all of these things that we've come up with, blind spots present a challenge for even the most experienced of drivers. Because just because you can't see something doesn't mean it isn't there. But rather than something to be avoided, blind spots are actually something that can be overcome. And so that's what I want to spend the next few minutes talking about this morning. I want to talk about overcoming our blind spots. Today, we're in part four of a series called Obstacle or Opportunity, where We're taking a look at a handful of stories from the scripture that will give us insight into how in the midst of life's greatest difficulties, we can look past our problems and instead see the possibilities. And all of that begins with a shift in our perspective. A perspective is simply a particular attitude toward or way of regarding something. It's a point of view. Perspective is based on how we see or look at something. And often our perspective is based on personal choice. And so if you've turned or swiped to Luke chapter 18, beginning in verse 35, we're going to look at a situation where Jesus came in contact with a man who had a blind spot. I'm gonna read all of the verses together and then... Um, for the rest of the message, we're gonna break it down kind of piece by piece, chunk by chunk and, and work through it. But Luke 18, beginning with verse 35, it says, as Jesus approached Jericho, a blind beggar was sitting beside the road. When he heard the noise of a crowd going past, he asked what was happening. And they told him that Jesus the Nazarene was going by. So he began shouting, Jesus, son of David, Have mercy on me. Be quiet, the people in front yelled at him, but he only shouted louder. Son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and ordered that the man be brought to him. As the man came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, he said, I want to see. And Jesus said, all right, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Instantly the man could see and he followed Jesus praising God and all who saw it praised God too. Now, this story is one that is listed in what is known as the Synoptic Gospels. That is Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John is kind of a standalone to itself. He writes about the life and the teachings of Jesus from a bit of a different perspective, but Matthew, Mark, and Luke, though they had different audiences, they often include a lot of the same stories. And so this particular account, you can find in each of those three gospels. And uh, I'm, I will reference Mark's account a couple times um, in the message today as we kind of walk through this passage. And Mark's account is a little bit different from this standpoint that it refers to this blind beggar by name um, and calls him, they, Mark calls him Bartimaeus. Maybe you've heard of him before, blind Bartimaeus. And so as we look Through As we work through this passage here this morning, um, it's gonna highlight three keys that you and I need to overcome our blind spots. Three keys to overcoming our blind spots. If you're taking notes, I encourage you to write those down. Um, The first one of those keys is that we've gotta be honest. We have to be honest. Verses 35 through 38, as Jesus approached Jericho, a blind beggar was sitting beside the road. And when he heard the noise of a crowd going past, he asked what was happening. And they told him that Jesus the Nazarene was going by. So he began shouting, "'Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me.'" Now, right off the bat, Luke reveals to us the condition of this man. His physical condition is that he was blind and his social condition is that he was a beggar. In those two words, a blind beggar, we know what this, that paints a picture for us in our minds of who this man was and what he would have been like. And while some in this day and age perhaps would have been born blind, blindness was primarily prevalent due largely to infection during this time. There was not widespread access to antibiotics or or medicines. And so even the the smallest of infections could turn into something much worse causing this blindness And, and surgical procedures were very limited during this time as well. And so because this man was blind, he was therefore unable to work. He wasn't able to provide for himself or his family. And as a result, he became completely dependent upon the generosity and the goodwill of others. For many of those that were blind, their only hope would have been the miraculous and that would have been altogether rare. And so they would have lived out their days predominantly as a drain on society. They would have been like those people that you see from time to time on street corners or uh, on thoroughfares holding up cardboard signs in need of something. Only this would be someone that, that, that the people of the town, they would have seen every single day. And if we're honest, we know how we behave whenever we come up. A, a lot of us, how, whenever we come in contact with, with someone of that ilk, someone standing there on the street corner, on the roadside with a cardboard sign, you know, we, like, we see them, we're rolling up and so we lock the doors of the car and you, you're telling your kids like, don't look at them, don't make eye contact. You know, and they're like right here and you're just, you're like, oh, what's this over here? You know, and like you're, you're doing everything that you can to, um, you know, to, to, to not, because once you make eye contact, then you're obligated, like then you're in, you know. And so at, at best, this man that was sitting outside of the gate to the city, at best, he would have been ignored. At worst, he would have been avoided altogether. Like I can imagine the people of the town as they are coming and going and they're having this daily interaction with this man who's constantly crying out to them for help, for, for some money or for some guidance or, or for whatever that, that it would come to where they would, they would start to kind of tiptoe past them, you know, hoping that he didn't hear them this time. Or, or maybe they were riding their camel and they would take it the long way around to the other side of the city so that they did not have to come in contact with him again. And so this man, he's sitting there at the front of the gate and he hears this commotion and he's forced to ask those around him what's going on. And so they tell him that Jesus the Nazarene or Jesus of Nazareth, passing by. And so he'd never seen Jesus, obviously. Some of y'all will get that on the drive home. Okay, tough crowd this morning. (laughs) He'd never seen Jesus, but he'd no doubt heard stories or rumors of Jesus as he observed the people talking near the city gate. Perhaps he was familiar with the prophecy of the Messiah out of Isaiah chapter 35, which reads, and when he comes, he will open the eyes of the blind and unplug the ears of the deaf. Maybe somehow he had gotten word of what Jesus read from the scroll in the temple. Luke chapter four records that the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. And so in this moment, when the crowd tells him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by for the first time, this man feels something that he's never felt before, hope. He feels hope. And so he began to cry out to Jesus. At the top of his lungs, with everything that he had, he began to yell out to Jesus. And along with that hope came two areas of recognition that had to be settled in this man's mind. And the first one of those was was the recognition of who he was, see, his yelling would have done nothing but draw attention to himself in the middle of that crowd. And with every cry, he was reminded of the hopelessness of his life. He was reminded of his situation. He was reminded that he was nothing more than broken and helpless, that he was not enough and that he was dependent on someone else. Like imagine the embarrassment that he must have felt in front of all of those people. Imagine if you were given the task this morning to stand up in front of all of the people that are surrounding you and yell out about your most difficult area of life. Cry out about your area of brokenness. If you had to stand up and talk about the thing that is creating limitations for you and is holding you back, that would be a difficult thing to do. That's exactly what this man was doing. He was desperate for mercy, but he realized that he had no merit. There was nothing that he had done or could do to deserve it. He had come to that place where he was at the end of his life rope. And if you and I, if we're going to be honest, we've got to come to that same recognition as well. A recognition that there is a God and we are not him. And we have to get real about the shortcomings in our lives and, and become desperate in our pursuit of Jesus and his mercy. It reminds me of the words that Charlotte Elliott penned in 1835 in the famous hymn, Just As I Am, where she writes, just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me and that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come. Just as I am and waiting not to rid my soul of one dark blot to thee whose blood can cleanse each spot, O Lamb of God, I come. Just as I am, though tossed about with many a conflict, many a doubt, fightings and fears within, without, O Lamb of God, I come. Just as I am, poor, wretched, blind, sight, riches, healing of the mind, yea, all I need in thee to find, O Lamb of God, I We've got to come to that recognition of who we are in light of who he is. And the second recognition that 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 man had to resolve, that he had to settle in his mind, is, is the recognition of who Jesus was. See, the people in the crowd, they said that he was Jesus the Nazarene, Jesus of Nazareth. But it's interesting that when the blind beggar yells out to him, he calls him, Jesus, son of David. See, this is a messianic title. The the blind beggar gave Jesus a title that the people in the crowd did not give him. While the beggar may have been blind, he was the only one that was able to see Jesus for who he really was. And that's what made all the difference. It's the same confrontation that we read about in, in Matthew 16. Verses 13 through 16, when Jesus came to the reason of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the son of man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah and others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. And then he asked them, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. What you need to understand this morning is that one way or another, the outcome of our lives and the location of our eternity will be determined by who we say Jesus is. He is either Lord of all or not at all. Those are our two options. This blind man, though he could not see, was the only one in the crowd that was able to recognize Jesus for who he truly is. Is. If we're gonna overcome the blind spots in our life, we've got to start by being honest. The second thing we have to do is we've got to be persistent. We have to be persistent. Picking up in verse 39, be quiet, the people in front yelled at him, but he only shouted louder, son of David, have mercy on me. And when Jesus heard him, he stopped and ordered that the man be brought to him. Anybody ever notice that when you start bringing up Jesus as the Messiah, the crowd starts telling you to hush? Like everybody's cool with Jesus up until the point that we recognize that he is the only way. That, that his way is the only way and that, that, that we're completely and totally dependent upon him. Everybody's cool with the Jesus who, who loves and forgives and all of that stuff. But when it comes to, to living his way, when it comes to recognizing him for who he is, that's when the crowd stands up and says, you need to be quiet, Amen. right? And no doubt in that moment, that was the straw that broke the camel's back. See, it was one thing that this crowd had to deal with the blind beggar on a regular day. But now on the day when this high profile visitor has come to town, they just expected him to stay out of the way. They were the ones up in front and he was the one that was relegated to the back. You sit over there, you shut up and you let us be the ones to interact with Jesus, but this beggar, he was both desperate and resolved. He recognized that this was his one chance. He may never get the opportunity to be this close to Jesus again. And he wasn't going to let anything or anyone stand in his way of calling out to Jesus. And that day he became the poster boy for what Jesus talks about in Matthew chapter seven. When he says, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Ask, seek, and knock. It was never meant to be just a one-time event. This was an ongoing attitude of position and petition to the Father. We weren't just supposed to ask one time, we're supposed to ask and keep on asking. We are not supposed to seek just the one time, we seek and continue to seek. We don't knock just the one time, we knock and we keep on knocking. And it was this man's persistence in that moment that reflected his belief that Jesus could help him as well as his hope that Jesus would help him. The Bible says that Jesus heard him. Jesus heard him. And I find that interesting is in the middle of that loud commotion and all of the fanfare that this was just one man in a sea of people And in his mind, and perhaps in the minds of those that were gathered there, he was the most unworthy person among them. Yet Jesus heard him, not because he was louder than everyone else, but because of his persistence. There's somebody here today that you need to know. Jesus hears you. There's somebody here today that that you've been crying out in the middle of your situation. You've been begging God to intervene. You've been wondering if your prayers are falling on deaf ears. Maybe it's in the area of your marriage. Maybe it's in your relationship with your children. Perhaps it's something to do with your health. Maybe it's overcoming anxiety or depression. Maybe it's with an addiction that you face. Whatever it could be, you've been crying out for the Lord to help, for the Lord to hear. And you need to know that he does. You need to know that you are being heard today. So don't give up, just keep asking. Just keep seeking, just keep knocking because the truth is is that just because jesus hasn't moved in your situation doesn't mean that he can't and just because he isn't moving in your situation doesn't mean that he won't so just keep calling out to him despite the difficulty despite the naysayers despite the whispered lies of the enemy just keep calling I'm reminded of a poem written by an anonymous person that reads, press on. Nothing in the world can take the place of persistence. Talent will not. Nothing is more common than unsuccessful men with talent. Genius will not. Unrewarded genius is almost a proverb. Education will not. The world is full of educated derelicts. Persistence and determination alone are important. I love this quote from Jacob Rees. He says, I look at a stone cutter hammering away at a rock a hundred times without so much as a crack showing in it. Yet at the 101st blow it splits into, I know it was not the one blow that did it, but all that had gone before. I can't help but wonder, what if it's the next prayer? What if it is the next cry of your heart that Jesus responds to and calls you to himself? So I came to tell somebody this morning, don't give up because you are being heard. We have to be honest. We have to be persistent if we're gonna overcome the blind spots in our lives, the third thing we have to do is be open. We have to be open. Picking up again in the second part of verse 40, it says, as the man came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, he said, I want to see. And Jesus said, all right, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. As the man came near, I love that part of that passage because Jesus saw through the crowd that was holding the man back. He saw through the crowd that was telling him to hush. He saw through the crowd that said, you get in the back, you stay over there, you stay in your spot. Jesus sees through that crowd and he finds the one man and he calls him close to himself. Mark's account of this story records it this way. Mark 10, verse 50, it says, Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up and came to Jesus. So you need to understand that if you're gonna overcome your blind spot, you've gotta be open to doing something different. No doubt that man sat in that same spot, covered up by that same coat day after day after day. It's believed that Mark actually referred to him as Bartimaeus because Mark's audience would have known who Bartimaeus was. If anybody needed Bartimaeus, they knew exactly where to find him. He was right there, the front of the gate of the city, covered up with that same old coat, sitting in his same old spot. And over time, especially for someone in his condition, it would have become easier and easier and easier for him to accept his plight. Dare I say that he could have even become comfortable in his position. His routine was he knew when Mr. Smith and Mr. Jones were going to be on their way to work and they were always good to throw a couple bucks in his pot and he could get a warm cup of coffee and a nice meal. And as long as that happened, he was content because he had the things that he needed despite the fact that he was blind, I suppose that life could have been a lot worse. And so he'd grown comfortable in his position. Some of us have grown comfortable in our position. And we've taken the mindset that, well, I guess this is just what my marriage is gonna be like. I guess this is just what my kids are gonna behave like. I guess I'm just gonna have to live paycheck to paycheck for the rest of my life. I guess I'm never going to be able to get off of these medications. I guess I'm always just going to be addicted. I guess I'm just gonna have to play with the hand that I was dealt. Let me tell you something. Those are lies from the enemy. Let me tell you something else. If your situation is going to change, it's gonna require you to do something different because nothing changes if nothing changes. It's gonna require you to have to to throw aside that cloak and to step out of your comfort zone. You're gonna have to move away from where you've been and take steps of faithful obedience toward Jesus. Jesus didn't go to him. He said, you get up and come to me. And when Bartimaeus stepped out, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? And his request was a simple one. Lord, I wanna see. And the Bible says that Jesus told him to receive his sight. He met his physical need, but he didn't stop there. He said, your faith has healed you. And that word healed in the Greek, it's the word sozo, it means to save. It wasn't just a physical need that Jesus met. It was a spiritual need. Luke 19 10 tells us this, for the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost. Jesus' mission on this earth was not to simply heal, it was to save. His concern is not only about the things that are temporary because even those that he healed, even Lazarus that he called forth out of the grave later died. But Jesus' concern is about that which is eternal. So you watch this, close the, Our story says, instantly the man could see and he followed Jesus, praising God. And all who saw it praised God too. Both the beggar and the crowd in that moment were able to see what they previously could not. Both the beggar and the crowd, all who saw it praised God too. They were both able to see what they previously could not. Perhaps what you've been looking at as a malady is just an opportunity for a miracle, not just so you can see, but so others can as well. This is the impetus behind our mission statement that we exist to inspire people to follow Jesus every day. It's the idea that that we allow our lives, especially those areas of brokenness to be used by Jesus so that others would be pointed in his direction. It's there as we cry out for mercy from the son of David that our testimony becomes, I once was blind, but now I see. So the question is, What's your blind spot? Where do you need the Lord to give you sight today? In what area of your life do you need to be honest and come to terms with the reality of your situation that you're not capable of handling it on your own and that you need to cry out for the mercy of the son of David to be extended to your life? In what area of your life that you need to be persistent and to cry out to Jesus one more time, one more time, one more time. What area of your life do you need to be open to getting out of your comfort zone and stepping out in faithful obedience to throwing off that cloak of comfortability and moving away from where you've been toward where Jesus is calling you? As the band comes to lead us in worship, these altars are open. You're invited to come forward to receive prayer. Ask the Holy Spirit to move on your heart and life, helping you to overcome your blind spots today. Stand together, prepare our hearts for worship. We're gonna be honest. We're gonna be persistent. We're gonna be open. Let's worship the Lord. As we sing, these altars are open. You may come. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Christ Walk Church podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes. To find out more information about Christwalk Walk Church, including our service times, how to connect with us on social media, and the ministry opportunities we have for you and your family, simply visit our website at thechristwalk.com. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget, because of Jesus, the best is yet to come.